Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David begins a new sermon series called Opposites as he takes a look at the story of Noah with the topic of independence versus obedience. Let's listen. Well, as you can see, we are starting a new preaching series today titled Opposites because the Bible often teaches us through displaying contrasting experiences of life. It says not this, but that. Or, or don't go this way, go that way. So this series will explore the contrasts that are found in the Bible. And today's contrast, obedience or independence. Now, I want you to think about these two items right now through the context of raising kids, when you had to raise kids. And when you raise kids, you really want a blend of these things, don't you? You want both obedience and independence. I mean, eventually, you want your children to become their own people, separate from you as parents, so that they can go and start their own families and be completely independent from you. But if this happens too soon, or in the wrong ways, then it causes a lot of trouble, doesn't it? I mean, to have a child with all independence and no obedience is really a recipe for quite a tired parent, I would think. Let me show you a picture. This is my daughter, Gemma. And Gemma is a year and a half. And in this picture, she's just walking in our neighborhood, just in our neighbor's lawn, while my wife and I are pushing the baby stroller. Now, you might be wondering, okay, well, why is she walking alongside you as you are pushing this stroller? I mean, it's an empty stroller that you're pushing. And the answer is independence. You see, my daughter here, she used to love to take walks in the stroller. Uh, we could walk for an hour just up and down all the roads in our neighborhood. But then she learned to walk. And when she learned to walk, she said, I want to use this newfound skill. I don't want to have to sit and be constrained in a stroller. No, I want to walk. So our walks are much shorter now because she wants to walk. And so we push the stroller and we go alongside her for as long as we can. Allowing her to walk in the safety of our neighborhood is a really good way for her to learn independence. It would be a different story, though, if we were in a busy Target parking lot, wouldn't it? That would be a time for obedience. That would be a time that I said, no, you're not walking. You're staying with me. I'm picking you up. It's not safe to do so. Okay, so think of that kind of analogy, and then think about how God interacts with us. Because I think that God interacts with us in a very similar way. Like a loving parent, God has given us freedom, hasn't God? God has given us independence. We can live however we want to live. But God also hopes that we'll follow him, that we will be obedient because we don't want to be like an independent toddler just all off on our own doing our own thing. I think that God really wants us to be guided by God so we choose to follow and obey even in our freedom and independence. So there's a relationship between the two that we're going to study today. I think the, the best story in the Bible that illustrates this really well is the story of Noah. Noah is an incredible example of obedience. 
Now, there are many things that we could study in Noah's story. There's many questions that we could ask ourselves. Uh, we could ask, okay, Noah's story and the giant flood, is, is that meant to be a historical account? And what's the dating of all that? Or is it more like a parable or, or allegory that teaches us something about ourselves in the world? We could study that. Or we could study what do we do with all the other flood stories that occurred around the same time as this one? How do we interpret that? Or we could study just how do you fit all of those animals on the ark? There's lots of good questions that we could study, but we're not going to study any of those today because I think they distract us from the reason that this story is in our Bibles in the first place. This story teaches us how to live a life of obedience to God. And today, if you can leave here after studying this story with a bit more understanding of how to live obediently, then I think today would be a tremendous success. So let's begin our story together. We are picking it up in Genesis chapter 6. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So we're introduced to Noah in two ways, each way explaining something helpful about his character. The first thing we learn is that Noah was a righteous and blameless man. Now you may hear, okay, Noah was a blameless man, and already start tuning out, going, okay, if he was blameless, I know I am not, and so can I relate to this story at all? And I want to say stick with it because I believe you can. Uh, that word blameless uh, in the Hebrew language that this was written in was often used for animals. And for animals, you might be thinking, how do you find a, a blameless animal? But what it meant was you would find an animal without defect. So if you were looking to make a sacrifice to God. Because remember, in the, uh, the Old Testament, it was the whole sacrificial system. You would be looking for the perfect animal, the animal without defect, the blameless animal. Now, when you use that same word and apply it to humans, the meaning is a little bit different. It, it's not meaning blameless as in perfect, because none of us are. It's more similar to wholesome or moral. What's happening is God's looking at Noah and looking at Noah's heart and says, oh, Noah wants the same things I want. Yes, Noah is a, a moral person, a wholesome person, seeking the same sorts of things in the world that God is seeking. I mean, how neat is it that God looked at the whole world and saw Noah and recognized that in Noah's heart? As I was studying this this week, I really thought, I hope that's true for us too. That when God looks at the whole world and God sees us and God looks into our hearts, I hope God sees the same thing. Wouldn't that be a beautiful picture? So that's the first thing we learn about Noah. And the second thing we learn is that Noah walked faithfully with God. What does it mean to walk with God? Well, what I think it means is that if you view your life as a journey from birth to death. The question is, are you walking alone or are you walking with your creator? Because Noah 
has chosen to walk with God. Now, sometimes it can feel pretty good to walk independently, doesn't it? You can be all on your own, doing things however you want them to be done, but this is not God's design for you. No, you are designed to walk with God through this life, and that's exactly what Noah did. Okay, so you know a little bit about Noah now. So now let's compare Noah with the rest of creation from this time period. So according to a genealogy that occurs right before this, Noah is the 10th generation from Adam and Eve. So we start with Adam and Eve, and then we go 10 more generations, and then you get to Noah. And you might remember that Adam and Eve were the very first ones to declare their independence from God. They were the first to say, you know what? I don't think we want to follow God. I think we want to be our own gods. And they chose to live apart from God. And after them, every generation of people has been given the same choice. The choice of who to live for. Do we live for ourselves? Are we the king of our own hearts? Or do we choose to live for God? What we're going to see in the story is that these choices in these 10 generations have been nothing short but disastrous. Here's how the story continues. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Three times the Bible uses the word corrupt to explain the state of the world. I find that really interesting, using this word corrupt, because it's, it's not just God saying, oh, the world is bad or the world is evil. No, for something to be corrupt implies that it was once good, but it has changed, changed for the worse and become corrupted. Again, back to Hebrew, that word corrupt is very similar to the word spoil. So it's as if you had some food that was once fresh and ready to eat, and you knew it'd be wholesome and tasty, but it has changed. It has changed for the worse. It has become spoiled. So God's looking at the world, recognizing that God once made this world perfect according to God's designs, but it has changed. It has become corrupted. It has changed for the worse. One of the results of this, this change is that God looks at the world and says it is full of violence because of the corruptions of God's perfect designs. Now, remember, we are people who are supposed to walk with God, but you've had about 10 generations now that most people have chosen to walk solo, apart from God, and now the world is full of violence. As I was studying this this week, I came to the unhelpful conclusion that our world is not so different from Noah's world. Our world, too, is full of violence. We have a prayer group that meets every week, every Monday at noon, and we pray for this whole congregation, and we pray for people by name who are going through something that week that they could use a little extra support. And this last week, we also prayed for the end of violence in this world. In particular, we prayed for the end of gun violence. And someone mentioned an article that I then went to look up because I thought there's no way that's true. But the article said that 
just this year, since January 1st, there have been 160 mass shootings in the United States. Friends, there have not been 160 days since January 1st. Yes, we are a world that is still full of violence. We are not so different from Noah's world. So here's what God decides to do. The story goes on. It says, So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. Now, the next eight verses describe in detail how Noah is going to build the ark. And I'm not going to read all those verses for you, but if you want to know exactly how many cubits tall the the ark was or how to construct the roof of the ark, you can go home and read these. But we're just going to skip ahead to verse 22 that says, And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So you might remember, today we are studying opposites of the Bible, independence or obedience. I really believe, after reading this story, that Noah is the perfect example of obedience to God. And have you noticed that Noah has not said a word yet in this story? He hasn't spoken at all in the narrative. No, instead, we learn about his character and who he is by his actions. And his actions are choosing to follow God. They are choosing to trust and obey God. Now, when we think of obedience, if you're like me, I bet a part of you just kind of chafes at that word. We think we don't want to obey. Sure, that's something kids do. That's not something adults do. We just want to be our own people. Yet for Christians in particular, there's a wonderful freedom that comes through obedience to God. Eugene Peterson wrote a great book. He was a pastor all his life. Uh, He was the one who created the, the message translation, if you've ever read that translation of the Bible. But he has a great book that I've been reading recently, and it's got a title called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And here's how he describes that. He says, there is a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Yes, in a world that demands quick fixes and instant results, Christianity sets itself as separate from that. Christianity is a slow, intentional, step-by-step journey of walking with God, of forming yourself to become more like God. That is the Christian journey. In this book, Eugene Peterson compares Christians to pilgrims. Now, think of a pilgrim. A pilgrim was someone who looked around at their world and said, this is not right. This is not how the world should be. But pilgrims said somewhere out there, somewhere on the horizon, somewhere else has to be better. And so they would leave where they were, just like the pilgrims who came to the new world and went somewhere with more promise and more hope. 
So think of the ways that Christians are like pilgrims. Well, Christians, too, look around to the world, and we say, ah, oh, not all is as it should be. Our world is corrupted. Our world is not quite right. But instead of just staying there and in pessimism and anger, looking around going, oh, I wish things were better. No, Christians look to what could be. And they say, but God is creating something. There is a world of hope out there. We might call that the kingdom of God, that God is working on in us and in our world. And as Christians, as pilgrims, we are on a journey of walking to that world, of helping that world become fully realized in the world that we currently live in today. Yes, we are heading on a path of long obedience, and it's a path that leads to God. So what I hope you're seeing here is that obedience is not simply following rules or obeying commands. No, obedience is a lifelong journey in the same direction. This comes across very strongly, I think, in something Isaiah says in the Old Testament. Isaiah talks about the long path of obedience by saying, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. That is a description of the path of obedience, learning God's ways so that we may walk in God's paths. That's what we're doing this morning. That's what we do every time we gather together as the community of faith is we learn. We learn together about God so that we can be better equipped to walk with God, just like Noah did when Noah walked faithfully with God. Another way to look at this is something that William Faulkner said. William Faulkner said we should be more interested in footprints than in monuments. And what he meant by that is, okay, you can create a monument to say, we got this far. Look, we got to this point. We didn't go any further, but we're con constructing a monument to commemorate how far we got. But a footprint says something different, doesn't it? A footprint says, look, we got this far, and we're still going. We're still on this journey. We're not stopping here. We're continuing. Or in his words, he says the footprint is, this is when I moved again. Christians are people on the move. We are on the long road of obedience in the same direction, which is the direction of God. So if that is true for us, and if we're seeking to be like Noah in truly living a life of obedience to God, then let's get practical right here at the end. Here are two ways that we can take some of these principles and hopefully live them out in our world today. The first is obedience in choices. There's a great quote that says, I'm sure that the bit of road that most requires to be illuminated is the point where it forks. When you face a fork in the road, and you can go that way or that way, consider that an opportunity for obedience. So I wonder, are you facing a fork right now? Are you debating which route to go, or, or which path to follow, or which voice to listen to? If that is true for you, then 
Consider this, which path will lead you to wholeness? Or which route will lead you to grace? Which voice sounds most like the Holy Spirit in you? May these be your criteria. You see, Noah faced a fork in the road, and he had a choice to make. Should he obey God and build an ark when there was no sign of rain? Or should he be like everybody else and just ignore God, ignore that small voice in his heart? If Noah would have relied on his own faculties alone, there's no way he would have built the ark. I mean, Noah could have said, okay, look, I'm using my eyes, I'm looking up at the sky, and I don't see any clouds. It is not going to rain. Or Noah could have said, look, I'm, I'm using my touch, I'm using my hands, I don't feel any rain, I don't feel any mist, any rain, a chance of rain coming. I don't believe there's going to be rain. Yes, if Noah would have relied on himself alone, there's no way he would have built the ark. So why did he? Why did he build this ark? It's because God told him that there would be rain. And he chose to trust that, and he chose to obey. Trust and obey, like our hymn that we started the day with. Those are so close together in Christian partnership. So Noah chose not to live independent from God, but he walked with God instead. When he faced that fork in the road, Noah chose obedience. So that's the first thing. When you face a choice, and we all do, every day we face choices, some bigger than others, choose the path that leads you into obedience of God. And then the second thing is committing to obedience for the long road. A little bit later in our story, we're told that God said seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. This part of the story is after Noah has already created the ark. And so I want you to imagine this massive ark already made, and then God saying, great, seven days from now there's going to be rain. And so for seven days, he had to just stand beside this ark, trusting that God would send the rain. Can you imagine how foolish he may have felt on day three or four as other people are walking around going, why did you build that thing? What do you think is going to happen? But Noah was deciding to obey for the long run, right? It was a long obedience. And so I'm sure those seven days felt like a long time. But Noah trusted, and Noah continued to trust for the 40 days that he was in the ark with all those animals and with his entire family. And then he continued to obey and trust even afterwards when he and his family created this whole new world just like a pilgrim. Yes, Noah's obedience lasted a long time. And that's why he is our example for today. Because we continue on his journey. The journey that started in Genesis chapter 6 is one that all humans get a choice to continue today. And that includes us. And so may we also commit to a long obedience in the same direction, the direction of God. 
Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.